Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. Good morning and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Corey, one of the associate ministers here at Orange. And wow, what a joy to be together this morning. If you are visiting for the very first time, welcome. If you are back after some time, welcome. And if you are here after many, many times, Welcome. Believe me, the story never gets old. There were many moments over the last two years when we weren't sure that a gathering like this would ever be a reality again. We hoped, but we didn't know. And there were many weeks that felt as lost and desperate and as dark as the time between Good Friday and Easter morning. Yet while it was still dark, As John's gospel reminds us, while it was still dark, God is always at work, even in the darkness, especially 
in the darkest, hardest moments we're enduring. God is at work. God is removing the stone even when we cannot see it. God is preparing us, readying us for the light to rise up and flood in. Today, we celebrate that rising. Today, we celebrate that resurrection. Today, we proclaim that what was lost has not only been found, but redeemed, restored, and made new. I want to take just a moment and say thank you to Pastor Adam for the opportunity to share the Easter message this morning. It is a humble honor, and I am so grateful. May God's word, the word made flesh, the word that came to life in Jesus Christ, the word that was sacrificed by systems that sought to silence love with violence, the word that rose from the dead and continues to be resurrected in our hearing and more importantly, in our living. May that word become anew within us today. Let us pray. Living God, long ago, John's gospel revealed that a faithful woman proclaimed the good news of Jesus's resurrection she was and is the apostle to the apostles. And with her witness, the world was changed forever. Teach us to keep faith with her, that our witness may be as bold and our love as deep and our faith as true. Amen. This week, as Pastor Adam and myself were going about preparing our spaces for Holy Week, the Fellowship Hall and the Sanctuary, he mentioned that he and his wife, Jennifer, had gone shopping because it is and was a tradition for them to wear something new on Easter. And as I thought about it, I realized that was always the tradition in my house. Growing up, we always got a new Easter dress or outfit, and my mom made sure we all matched. Imagine 10, yes, I have nine siblings. Imagine 10 tiny replicas marching in the sanctuary. Uh, I'm sure it was um, a sight to behold, to say the least. But for us, Easter held so much excitement, a new outfit, a basket full of the sweetest treats imaginable, a beautifully decorated cross. Special music, the brightness of the spring sun. Growing up, I remember, and I still feel this way, Easter glistens. That's how I always feel when I pull in the parking lot while it is still dark. And I can see the mist on the grass. Easter glistens. We come into this space and we shout, Alleluia, Christ is risen and we celebrate Christ's victory over death. Today is a day of celebration. But the first Easter, the Easter that is recounted for us as we just read John's gospel, the first Easter is not filled with eager anticipation or excitement. There are no egg hunts, no sweet chocolates hidden in the garden. First Easter begins while it was still dark. 
And that darkness wasn't limited to the lack of sun coming over the clouds. That darkness overshadowed the hearts of the disciples and the followers who had witnessed Jesus's crucifixion just days before. That darkness was made up of the hopelessness, the despair, the crushed promises, the uncertain futures, of violence observed, sorrow, grief, guilt, fear. The disciples, I imagine, did not want to get out of bed on that first Easter morning, especially while it was still dark. But maybe that first Easter, underneath the surface of our new shirts and our filled eggs and our special music, maybe that first Easter is actually closer to what we may be feeling today on this Easter and quite possibly every Easter. Approaching the tomb that morning wasn't an exercise in awe and wonder. So perhaps we can be gentle with ourselves as we arrive here, maybe not quite sure how we feel yet, or perhaps quite sure we feel as hopeless and lost as those disciples did. We may not even know how we feel. What if it is our first time arriving at the empty tomb? Let the first Easter remind you to come as you are. But let the first Easter remind you that we will not leave as we are. Let the first Easter remind you to come here as you are. But let the first Easter remind you that we will not leave here as we are. It begins while it was still dark, but it doesn't stay that way. Here in John's gospel, Mary Magdalene, the disciple, the apostle, the evangelist, she did not arrive at the tomb because she had hope. She didn't go singing, Christ the Lord is risen today, hallelujah. Instead, the only music playing was the quiet sounds of her weeping. Her weeping is mentioned four times in this passage. Her tears cannot be denied. Her sorrow is on full display. And I believe she went to the tomb that morning because she needed something to do with her pain. Intending to Jesus' body, the body of the one who saved her life, or healed her from the darkness, who gave her a life, a purpose, tending to his body was better, I imagine, than doing nothing. And maybe if you, like Mary, were in the garden, maybe you would be weeping too today. Weeping because the world feels hopeless. Weeping because you're experiencing a deep loss Weeping because there is war all around. Weeping because every day is survival. Weeping because your life feels unjust. Weeping because you don't feel like you belong. Weeping because you don't have a peace that you long for. Weeping because you are so very tired. Weeping because you are so very scared. For yourself, for your children, for your grandchildren, for a spouse, a friend, a parent, a community. Weeping because it is still so dark. 
If your heart is filled with sorrow this morning or a pain you can't explain, you're in the most faithful company possible. When Mary arrives at the tomb, she sees that the stone has been rolled away and her curiosity is not piqued. She doesn't look inside. She immediately panics and runs to tell Simon Peter and the beloved disciples, disciple what she's seen. Her assumption is that the body has been stolen, which isn't unheard of in antiquity. People were known to rob graves. Mary was in Jesus's inner circle and she'd been there for some time. So the disciples, they trust her. And so they run. They run to the tomb. And the beloved disciple, he outruns Simon Peter and he arrives first. But Peter catches up quickly and goes right past him and into the tomb. And the text tells us what was there. There were strips of linen. Those that had once been wrapped around Jesus and nothing else. We don't know what Peter's internal reaction was, what his mind made of these strips of cloth lying there. He knows Jesus isn't there. But John, in his gospel, tells us the other disciple believed. The other disciple goes in and believes. Believed what? Right after his belief, there's an acknowledgement that neither of the disciples knew or understood that Jesus had been risen from the dead. And so many scholars believed that the beloved disciple believed Jesus had been taken. So seeing the empty tomb, it doesn't move these disciples to hope. Their mourning doesn't suddenly turn to dancing. And we know because they go right back to the place where they just were. All the scripture tells us is that they knew the tomb was empty, but they didn't know where Jesus was. They leave. Mary stays. She lingers in her pain and again is all alone in the garden and she is weeping. For some reason, she can't give up quite yet. The empty tomb cannot be the end of the story for her, even despite it all. Her hope now lies in finding Jesus' body. She finally musters up the courage to look into the tomb to face that fear that what she assumed is true. His body has been taken. The one who gave her so much, who gave her her life, he is now completely lost. And when she looks in the tomb, when she faces the hollow darkness of that space, Something actually glistens. I imagine the text tells us two angels in white are in the tomb. And we may be surprised that Peter and the other beloved disciple failed to mention this. Mary doesn't speak to the angels, but they speak to her and they ask, Woman, why are you weeping? They essentially ask her, What is your pain? She responds, They have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And then she turns. And what we know, she doesn't know. Through her tears, and I'm sure exhaustion, she believes she's encountered the gardener, the caretaker of this space. And just like the angels, he asks, woman, why are you weeping? But he adds, whom are you looking for? 
It's interesting that the person standing before her knows why she's weeping. She can't find someone she's looking for. And because he knows she's looking for someone, she thinks maybe he knows where that someone is. And she desperately says, Sir, if you took him, just tell me where you put him so I can care for him. If you took him, just tell me where you put him so I can take care of him. This Mary does not give up. Jesus fought for her. I'm sure way more times than the gospels ever mentioned. He fought for her when he saved her life and healed her from the demons that imprisoned her. Jesus fought for her. So she fights for Jesus now. Just tell me where he is. I am not finished here yet. Her relentlessness reminds me of Jacob wrestling with the angel, refusing to give up until he receives that blessing. Mary refuses to give up on finding Jesus. And then the good shepherd does what good shepherds do. Jesus says her name, Mary. And John tells us in chapter 10, sheep know the voice of the good shepherd. He calls them by name. This good shepherd who has so faithfully prepared them for this moment, teaching them that not only does the good shepherd know his sheep and say their name, the good shepherd is a good shepherd because he lays down his life for his sheep only to take it up again. With the sound of his voice saying her name, she knows. She knows the empty tomb is not the end of the story. And she says, Rabboni. She knows it's Jesus and he is alive. He is alive. She watched him die, but he is alive. The risen Lord is standing right before her. He is the resurrection. He is the life. In this very moment, death has most certainly lost its sting. And we can hear the words of John's prologue. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. While it was still dark, Easter began. But the light the light, Jesus shines in the darkness. And we may be wondering, we should be wondering, how can this be? What is dead stays dead. That is what the world says. What has died cannot be brought back to life. Or can it? I think Mary believes the risen Lord is before her because she has every reason to believe it. You see, this is not the first resurrection she has ever witnessed. Her own life was resurrected by the love of Jesus. He rescued her from the prison of her sin and he brought her back. She watched Jesus heal countless individuals who were all but dead. And she watched Jesus resurrect one who was dead, Lazarus. 
She bore witness to it all. She stood by even at the resurrection of Barabbas. I never thought about that until this week. Barabbas is condemned to die. He's saved. Brought back to life by Jesus giving up his own. And I am confident she heard the words of the thief on the cross who said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I know she heard Jesus say, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus gave him paradise instead of death and everlasting resurrection. She believed it because it was possible. We believe that this is Jesus. We believe he's been raised. We believe death never has the final word because resurrection is possible. We've witnessed it. We've experienced it. We've encountered the risen Lord ourselves. Perhaps we've heard the good shepherd say our very name. And if we haven't, listen up. We can. Resurrection is where new life is breathed into dry, dead bones where restoration is found, where reconciliation happens, where hope is lived out. This building felt like an empty tomb two years ago. And today, I've seen. I see the risen Lord. You are his hands and feet. Resurrection is here. Do you believe it? Resurrection is found in the story of a woman named Rose. I had the privilege of hearing and seeing this story this week. Rose is a woman experiencing homelessness who survives by collecting trash outside a dance studio and exchanging it for money, for food and water. And every day as she's picking up that trash, the uh, dance instructor walks by and they greet one another. And because of that, they formed a friendship. She always says, good morning, teacher. One day she got the confidence to say, hey, do you think it'll be all right if I watch a dance class? And the teacher said, why don't I just give you a dance lesson? She goes, but I'm dirty. He said, so am I. And that dance lesson, I saw it. The dance instructor gave her Back, a dignity that brought her back to life. I've seen the risen Lord. Do you believe it? Resurrection is a young woman driving potted rose bushes 800 miles to replant at her new home because her mom, who recently passed, kept them alive for 30 years. Resurrection. I've seen it. Do you believe it? Resurrection is the surprise and assurance of hope in a world where we expect the worst. Resurrection is Jesus revealing to us in his very being that there is absolutely nothing, no sin, no distance, no loss, no pain, no suffering, no dirt, no disease, not even death itself can separate us from his life-giving love. And if, if we open ourselves to receive that love, then we ourselves are resurrected in this life and in the life everlasting. Now, I don't know where in your life or what part of your life needs to be resurrected. 
I don't know what part of you longs to encounter the risen Lord and hear him say your name. I don't know what part of you arrived this morning while it was still dark. But I do know that on the first Easter, Mary came to the tomb fully expecting that what was true yesterday was still true today. And how many of us have arrived here this morning fully expecting that what was true yesterday is still true today? And yet we've arrived this morning to discover with Mary we were wrong. We are wrong. Absolutely nothing about yesterday is still true. Everything is different. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And because of that, we are different. We are no longer dead in our sin, trapped in our darkness. We are alive. We are restored. We are redeemed. Light has come. All for love's sake. It was for love of us that Jesus accepted death on a cross, and it was for love of us that he refused to stay dead. The risen Lord longs to meet us this morning. Will we linger? Will we keep searching? Will we hear him call our name and know he is alive? May we come here this morning as we are, but let us not leave as we were. He is alive. Meeting Jesus in the garden isn't the end of Mary's story. It is a beginning. Jesus tells her she can't stay in the garden. She cannot linger because she has a new mission. She has a new purpose to tell others that she has seen the risen Lord, to bear witness to his resurrection and her own. Mary becomes the apostle to the apostles and the world is never the same. May our faith be as fierce our witness as bold and our love as deep. And may the world never be the same. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.